Vaccine hesitancy is the theme of a movie that's screening this week at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival. Shot in the Arm explores how individuals make the best decisions in the face of overwhelming misinformation. KCSB's Lisa Osborne spoke with Oscar-nominated filmmaker Scott Hamilton Kennedy and asked what originally interested him in making this movie. I, I got to go back a step that I was finishing my previous film, Food Evolution, that had some similar themes as Shot in the Arm. Uh, that was taking on the misinformation, disinformation around GMOs. And I'd completed that film and a doctor that was featured in that film, the wonderful doctor, Dr. John Schwartzberg, associated with the Berkeley Wellness Letter that all of your listeners should know about if they want to get great information vetted by doctors trying to make us help us make good decisions from sunblock to vaccines to food. And Dr. Schwartzberg said to me in 2018, Scott, you really should take on the anti-vaxxers next. And in my wisdom, I said, oh, no, no, they're going to go away. How could they last? They're going to burn out. And I was as wrong as I could be. Cut to spring 2019, and we're having a record-breaking measles outbreaks and state of emergency in New York City and Washington State, measles around the world. And the reasons for it were mostly from misinformation, disinformation from anti-vaxxers getting people to not vaccinate their children. And I started filming. I contacted Dr. Paul Offit first, and he introduced me to so many people, including Peter Hotez and Karen Ernst and uh, Tony Fauci. And I also filmed with the top antis as well, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., Del Bigtree, and Andrew Wakefield. So how did you get some of these bigger names in the anti-vaccine movement? Yeah. So I really like that as a storytelling technique, not to have people say, oh, those quote unquote are the bad people, right? So Paul Offit will say very strongly that Robert Kennedy Jr. and Dell Bigtree and, and Andrew Wakefield are wrong. And he'll have all the evidence there and point out the ways that they've lied and manipulated the truth. And that's fine. It's an interesting part of it. But I, I really like to have people express themselves and show themselves in their own words and in their own actions. So that was a long-winded version of answering your question. How did we film with um, some of the top leaders in the what's come to be known as the anti-vax movement? They would call themselves vaccine hesitant and pro-freedom, pro-freedom, because we're not, the rest of us are somehow, they want to see us as anti-freedom, which makes absolutely no sense. So to begin with filming with the anti-vaxxers is we just showed up at events where, where they were going to be presenting. So we brought our cameras to events like in Harlem when they were trying to take advantage of the Black community there and, and the Black community. There's correct skepticism of some in the medical field because of things like Tuskegee from many, many years ago. But they were trying to take advantage of that and foment fear and misinformation in at an event in Harlem, at an event in D.C., at the CDC. Uh, Del Bigtree was there at the CDC when I was filming there. And then I just requested an interview with Robert Kennedy Jr. And thank goodness he said yes. He's probably not very happy he said yes at this point, but we'll see. Well, and then some of the people that you talked to that were originally very anti-vax, they came either full circle or part of the circle during throughout the, the film. Had they come full circle already um, before you started filming with them? Or did you see them change their mind as the movie evolved? Sure. Um, it's probably not plural with the with the people that I had in this film, but people that are that started anti-vax and become um, or vaccine hesitant and change their minds when information is presented to them. 
There are, I would say Ethan Lindenberger is one that's that's um, shown very briefly. He was never really anti-vax. He was raised in an anti-vax family. And when he became of age, he got his, he got chose to get his vaccines, which is a really brave and wonderful, wonderful thing. But the main person that we see in the film is Lynette. And she um, was a very powerful voice in the anti-vax movement um, at the CDC, especially speaking in public comment, um, trying to give the point of view of mothers who believed that their children were damaged by vaccines, especially they think the MMR vaccine gave their children autism. And sadly, it is based on absolutely no good information, including a thankfully finally debunked and um, retracted study from Andrew Wakefield all the way back in 1998, but it's still, it took 10 years for it to be retracted and it was very, very powerful and the damage it did still lingers till today. But I got away from your question with, with someone like Lynette, I can't say that Lynette went from anti-vax or vaccine hesitant to completely believing in vaccines, but she definitely changed her mind on who she wanted to listen to and how she wanted to have the conversation. So she expresses herself very clearly that she went from somebody, you know, being on Del Bigtree's show, The High Wire, one of the top anti-vaxxers, Del Bigtree, and to going, I don't like the way he communicates. And I find him, his ego to be too big. And I, I find him to be a, a blowhard, really. And she chose to have Dr. Paul Offit on her own podcast to try and have a decent conversation, to have a a respectful conversation about these things. And that is a huge, huge change in itself. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned the article that turned out to be false information in the medical journal that took 10 years to debunk. I thought that was a really good point to have in the film because it's like, oh, this is how the the vaccines got tied into autism, right? Got tied in with autism. And then another part of the movie, you pointed out that there was actually an anti-vaccine rally taking place on the same day, January 6th, that the Capitol was stormed and that turned out in the deadly deadly riots there. I I think that that might've gotten put in the shadows a little bit following all of the devastation that happened at the Capitol that day. I agree with you. It's not, it's not like a lot of people knew about, uh, about that story. And I was shocked and uh, not completely surprised to see Dell Bigtree there. So yes, they had a smaller side stage with a TV playing Trump's rally and Dell Bigtree, excuse my laughing, had the nerve to say it's such an honor to follow President Trump. And it's like, you're not really following him you're on a different stage with a tv so (laughs) we'll leave we'll leave that out of it what he says there is really 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 shocking he's tried to walk some of it back where he says the usual things about i wish i could tell you that covid was real i wish i could tell you that tony fauci cared about you and then he jumps to i wish i could tell you that voting machines work and that people cared that's a direct quote I wish I could tell you that voting machines work and that people cared. And it's a remarkable line. I mean, that is such a level of cynicism that I don't even know what he, what he's saying. Like, so you don't care either Dell, but anyway, it all comes back to the consistency between the disinformation around uh, the, was the 20, were the, was the 2020 election, uh, were the 2020 elections a fraud? Was there cheating going on? And the anti-vax movement and others that foment disinformation, there's there's many of them. Alex Jones is obviously a horrifying example. Is the consistency that I've found is that they want to say, don't trust in that, trust in us. That big institution lets you down. 
we're going to save you. Big food lets you down. We're going to sell you organic. Big medicines let you down. Here's some supplements, right? And your big leaders let you down. We're the new leaders. Mm-hmm. And it's as, it's as old as, as politics, right? That you, you scare somebody around something that they believe in and you can sell them something else, a product or a, or a new movement. So it's very, very sad that they've been successful. Skepticism is incredibly important to us as individuals and obviously incredibly important in journalism and, and science, right? Are you skeptical of, of, be skeptical of shot in the arm? Did Scott, did Scott Kennedy, I won't speak of the third person, did myself and my filmmaking team cheat in some way in the making of this film? We worked very, very hard to not do that, but go ahead and be skeptical of the film and check it out. Cynical is when you check the film out and you look at the data and the data in the, in the film is very, very sturdy. And you still say, no, Scott's a propagandist or whatever the antis are going to, are going to try and paint me as. And that's what we're living through. We're sadly living through a time of cynicism winning out over skepticism. And I hope in some way the film could be a healing uh, to fight against cynicism, but never discount skepticism. Skepticism skepticism is incredibly important. And your this film is screening a shot in the arm on Wednesday at, at 1.20, Fiesta 5, screen four. And then there's another screening on Saturday in the evening at the Metro 4. The first screening is at the Fiesta 5. There's another film. You mentioned um, Tony Fauci. There's another film at the film festival all about Fauci. I was wondering how, and in, and in that movie, it shows kind of how many requests he was getting for interviews and opportunities and how hard was it to get Fauci to sit down with you. So I met Fauci before he became super Fauci. I, so I met Fauci in 2019 before he became the hardest working man in, in public health and around the planet in 2020. I met him through Peter Hotez at a public health conference in Washington, D.C., and he was very, very open and um, was was kind enough to not just grant me an, an interview, which uh, I did actually very casually. He, he allowed me to film with him in, in real time, talking to Peter Hotez, which was really brave and, and transparent. And, um, and it was, a, it was a great honor. He, I, I find him to be an incredible uh, public servant and, and consistent. He is steady. There's a lot of people that are trying to poke holes in um, who he is and his data. And I'm again, going skeptical, I'm fine to check the, the data, but sadly there's a lot of people that have come what I would call uh, Monday morning quarterbacks, right? Monday morning quarterbacks saying, oh God, Fauci and the CDC and the US government got all these things wrong. Look how easy it is to point those things out. And I just wanna ask these people for a little, just a little humility. So are you saying the only thing that really went wrong in COVID was that you weren't in charge? <laughs> like we didn't have, your, right. Fauci, Fauci didn't have your phone number. So that's, that's the only thing that went wrong is, gosh, if we'd only called you, Robert Kennedy Jr. or somebody. So just asking people for humility. And uh, and again, skepticism is fine. There's many, many things that went wrong. It was a, it was a once in a century emergency. And um, of course, there's going to be things that go wrong. But let's distinguish between somebody and organizations that worked very, very hard to do the best for the most people and people that were manipulating the truth through cynicism and disinformation to lead you astray. Those are drastically different things. What surprised you most in making your film Shot in the Arm? That's a wonderful question. Um, Probably what surprised me most was that it took us a while to realize that we were making a film 
about the social contract, something that a term I probably hadn't used since being in high school or something in some civics class. And just to keep a simple definition of it, the social contract are these written and unwritten rules that we have to try and be decent, decent to each other and in a functioning society in the United States and around the world. Other countries have different terms for it. I've had other countries laugh at me when I ask for their term for social contract and they say, we don't have it. It's called decency, which is fine. So, so it took us a while to realize that the film was really at its core about the social contract and that it's under attack. You could say it's under attack or it's it's very fragile because a lot of us have become entrenched in our own universe, literally our own social feed of what we say is going on in the world of what we want to see in the world and our own tribes, be it political or social or health reasons. And, and the social contract reminds us that we have to make decisions beyond the end of our nose, right? We have to be able to make decisions that don't just involve ourselves and our family. We have to make decisions that make us think about what is best for the entire community, the entire state and the entire country and then the entire world. And that was surprised me and was also really an exciting piece to uh, explore in the film. Our radio station is at UC Santa Barbara. We're a college community Great. hybrid Great. radio station. Yeah. And I'm, I'm coming after you. I'm going over to meet one of our, uh, another filmmaker who actually was at KCSB, our radio station, when he was a gaucho, and now he's making movies. So do you have any advice for up-and-coming filmmakers today? You know, the film festival here, the Santa Barbara oh, wow. Film Festival, focuses on students. They have a whole program to educate students and get them interested in film and they're going to be showing the student films on saturday so do you have, what do you advise future filmmakers i love that question yes what do i advise future filmmakers is a, a, a few things be very brave please please be brave um, try to succeed at skeptical over cynical right question anything you want but Try not to do it from a dogmatic point of view that you have the answer of the way you want to see the world. Be curious, be brave, and please, please, please tell the nuanced truth. It's worth it. The truth is worth it. Decency is worth it. Um, and then, yeah, be creative. My definition of a documentary is the adaptation of the truth, right? So you have this beautiful art where you are adapting it right? You get to decide where, who you're interviewing or who you're following and what music you use and the style of the camera and all these amazing creative choices, but please ground it in the truth. If you're, especially if you're making documentaries, but also in scripted films, um, please, please be brave enough to ground it in the, in the nuanced truth. Scott Hamilton Kennedy, thank you so much for talking to me. You're an Academy Award nominee. Do you have hopes for Shot in the Arm to uh, maybe be bringing home some Oscar gold? Is that a possibility? Oh boy, that's always one you don't want to get in front of. Uh, it was it was a miracle to have been shortlisted twice and nominated once with my first two films. And obviously it would be an amazing honor if my fellow documentarians found Shot in the Arm worthy of that. So we have a long way to go, but we sure as heck will be throwing our hat in the ring. Good luck with that. Well, the film Shot in the Arm is screening on Wednesday, February 15th uh, at 1.20 at the Fiesta 5 Green 4 during the Santa Barbara International Film Festival. And then it's also showing on Saturday at 6 p.m. at the Metro 4 Theater. Thanks so much for talking with us and good luck with everything. Thank you so much. 
That's KCSB's Lisa Osborne speaking with the director of Shot in the Arm, Scott Hamilton Kennedy.